0: Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is the president of Eastward Missions, Emmanuel Higgins. Welcome to Upward Way.
1: Thank you, Marlon. It's a pleasure to be here with you.
0: The pleasure is mine just the same. I must also say uh, I am very much appreciative of the fact that you took some time from your busy schedule to share with us today. So, Emmanuel, could you just share with us where and when your faith journey began? Absolutely.
1: Yes. So, coming from, from Australia in New South Wales, which is on the east coast of Australia, my faith journey began as a younger child, as a young boy, around eight, nine, ten years old. At the time we, where we lived, it was uh, what you say in Australia, out in the sticks. It was uh, quite rural, very rural. In fact, we were about 45, 50 minutes from our nearest town and our neighbours were were kilometres away, um, quite a long distance away. So we were we grew up uh, very remote, lots of nature surrounded by animals. And I think nature really um, provides a way to connect with the creator. And so as a younger boy, I, I remember spending time hiking and exploring the natural surroundings where we lived and that finding um, the presence of God in nature. So that was a really precious thing um, as, a, as a younger younger boy growing up. I think the first time that I remember um, really wanting to be a Christian, like really, well, like a, perhaps I could call myself a Christian, was I was around 11 or 12. And that's where I I heard some presentations, went to you know a camp meeting, a church camp meeting, and and really inspired by the the um, the presentations to study the Bible for myself. And I think if we want to ask ourselves what defines a real Christian um, and how will I know if I'm a real Christian, I think um, a desire to know God and to know the truth and to seek for it for myself. Is really um, an indication that, you know, I'm, I'm a real Christian. i really wanting to follow Christ. And so, yeah, I, ran, I was around 12 years old when um, I really first recall, like, wanting to study the Bible for myself. Like, not just because mom told me to, you know, have my morning devotions or read my scripture passage or memorize something. But, you know, I really wanted to study the Bible for myself. And that was really the start of uh, my faith journey.
0: Beautiful. At a tender age. Just to be certain. Are you from a faith-based family?
1: Yes, my yes. So I was born into a Seventh-day Adventist family and been raised by Seventh-day Adventist parents, which um, has been a real blessing and definitely has helped, you know, helped to start and establish my faith journey at an early age. Um, of course, you know, it's always the case, even if you're raised in a Christian home, at some point that faith has to become your own. You have to take hold on if, you, if you're going to follow through your life in that faith it really does need to become your own it has to at some point but i'm very thankful for my parents in in the way that they instilled those those christian principles that help to encourage us to, to seek after god for
0: ourselves wonderful fantastic you have hit a very important point to say despite what the surrounding would have been the family structure each individual has to get to that point where he or she wants to seek out God for himself or herself. Very brilliant point. Amen. Just to to follow up a bit on your background, you mentioned New South Wales in in Australia. So paint a a picture some more. You know, what were those days like? You know, maybe from, let us say, childhood, teenage years. What were things really like?
1: Yes. (laughs) You look back at your childhood and and such fond memories, such happy times. I mean, we have happy times now too, but yeah, carefree days. So yeah, we grew up, as I said, quite remote, as you can imagine, surrounded by small mountains, small hills, we lived on a river and uh, lots of animals. Uh, we were homeschooled uh, for two reasons, partly because it was my, my parents' preference to have more of an input into our education. And also we were, very, we were too far from any other school to actually go to a school. So we did homeschool. We also did some distance education as, as schooling. So, yeah, childhood and, and teenage years up until mid-teens was living there on the farm, lots of animals, lots of outdoors, lots of exploring. I'm the youngest of five children, so had, um, yeah, lots of time with the siblings playing, and as you can imagine. Very, very fond memories of, of the growing up years out there
0: as someone who (laughs) has experienced country life myself i know what that can be like those hills those valleys those fruit trees animals everything
1: yes yes
0: i want now for you to speak a little bit about eastward missions you're the president and i don't know how many of our listeners uh, how many of our listeners have have a clue about what this is all about so just some background about Eastward Missions and then later we'll look at your role yeah. as president.
1: Absolutely. Eastward is a not-for-profit organization. Our our goal, our, our purpose is to train, to educate and to help young people primarily. We existed for, for about 16 years, more than that actually, and we have done various things over the years, education and training and also mission and outreach, so we're trying to share our faith. We travel all around Australia doing missionary work. We run you know, some, some events for young people, times where young people can get together, learn life skills and do mission work together and make new friends in that whole block camp sort of environment. So it's very exciting things happening, happening with Eastwood, and we're really, like I said, really passionate about helping, particularly helping young people, helping them to you know, be established in their faith, because there are so many, so many you know, traps and snares of, of Satan that really make it hard for young people to keep hold of their faith. And so we're uh, really passionate about you know, strengthening um, the faith of young people and helping them to have a solid, you know, solid foundation in Christ.
0: All right. So you did say it's an entity that helps us strengthen the faith of young people. It's mission-oriented, you did say, right?
1: Yes, that's right. Yes. You know, our dream, our vision is to have a training college for young people, a full-time year-round training college. And in Eastwood's history, we have had a training college for several years. But what we have lacked um, to fully establish a training college is certain necessary infrastructure. We've got a very strong foundation and we've got some excellent youth programs and youth events and mission events that reach out to young people and also reach out to the communities in Australia to share the gospel and the good news of Christ.
0: Sounds fantastic. And just trying to conceptualize a, a phrase that would capture it, it's ca- kind of like a center of influence for young people, but a little bit more where they are equipped for mission. Are there members who are involved, literature evangelists?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, literature evangelism is a really big part of the ministry that we do. So, that involves going out into the community and sharing really precious, like really beautiful books with people. These are beautiful books about the life of Christ, books about how to have a relationship with Christ, and also books about really serious topics like what's happening in the world today, how do we understand the events happening in the world today in light of of, uh, Bible prophecy, what does the Bible tell us is going to come, what can we expect, and what do prophecies have to say. So we're very passionate about sharing these books with people, and we have distributed thousands of books all around Australia, and we have a team right now, as, as I speak, in uh, North Queensland uh, on, a, on a mission trip, sharing, doing literature evangelism. It's exciting work, you know, it's, it's really thrilling to, um, to be out there on the front lines and to share our faith and to see the difference that we can make in, in people's lives.
0: Indeed, it's exciting. And though I'm sitting here, you know, my, my, my spirit is just bubbling as I hear you talk about the work. So I'm just going to ask now, as it relates to your role as president of this ministry, what does that entail, let us say, on a day-to-day basis? Is this something that is part-time, full-time? What's your role?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. My ministry journey has been interesting over the last few years. I started um, working with Eastwood in 2013. I took a leadership role in 2016, and since then have been primarily Full time. There was a couple of years, of, I got married in 2016 as well. And I worked for a year or two in another ministry uh, to earn an income. But at the same time, I was still president of Eastwood. And then since then, I've been full time for a few years with Eastwood. And right now, I'm again part time. Um, it's this balance between the ministry, which is voluntary. I've only ever worked voluntary for Eastwood and, uh, and also supporting the family financially. My role involves um, strategic planning and team organization and team direction, and also communication with our church. So, communication with the SMD Venice Church and with key, um, key supporters and key stakeholders in, in, the, in the organization. But, yes, a lot of planning and a lot of admin work and coordinating. It's a range of things, also, manage the website. It's, it's quite a range of different things. That's what I'm super passionate about, Marlon. Like I'm just so passionate to see as much good done as we can. Your time is short. In uh, in the book of Psalms, David says, teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Now, think about that. He says, Lord, teach us to number our days. How many of us go around and number our days to go, okay, I'm personally 28 going on 29 I've maybe got another how many years to live, how many days do I have left to live roughly, you know, and number them like that. We don't do that very often, especially those that are a bit younger. But David is telling us here in Psalms, teach us, Lord, to number our days. In other words, we really should think about the shortness of life. We really should think about that we only have a set number of days to live here, and, and that should cross their mind, I think, often, not in a... In a negative depressing way but to go man my time is short you know what's the the greatest good that i can do in the time that i have how can every day um count to the to the best that i that it can so yeah you know i'm super passionate to see as much as possible done and being yeah super passionate about eastwood and what what the ministry is doing and giving everything that i can can for it so yeah god is good
0: I will borrow your last line. God is indeed good. I've spent some time exploring the website, and even right now I'm able to access. and I recognize that you know there are a lot of things that are, are being done. So two questions. First, you, you did say a few minutes ago that all of your time there it's really voluntary. And when many people think about volunteering, one of the things that Quickly comes to mind. Then, how is it that you are able to survive? You know, how is it that you take care of your family? So, I won't ask you how it is that you survive if you choose to address that point. That's up to you. But why? Why did you decide to, to volunteer? You know, into this ministry that I imagine consumes quite a lot of your time.
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Marlon. Um, so, I'm a I'm a software engineer as well. So, I, I work um, software development. And for many, many years I've had it on the side, a small um, website development business, just me basically, just freelance. So I've always done a little trickle of that over the years to get by, to support myself. But why, why did I choose to volunteer? The question, when I left school, I was 16 or 17 years old, my mum and dad got into some ministry work, right? They're working at this health centre place that helped people with their health. And I was like 16 at the time. and Joined in, helped out a little bit there. But I got really excited, you know. It was the first thing that I did out of school, just helping out around the, the place, helping people and helping the, the guests that would come to get helped with their health. And I just got a love for serving, I guess. Really love for serving and helping other people and uh, doing ministry work. So when it came to deciding, you know, okay, what pathway am I going to take? Should I go and get a career? You know, I had a few options. One was to um, be a plumber. <laughs> um, had an apprenticeship offer to be a plumber and I had an option to to go to a bible school a scholarship offer to go to a bible school and study theology and um, another option was just to sort of keep doing what I was doing and and stick around with mum and dad and see what what opened up and you know it's a bit hard to explain you know the thought processes that you go through I know we all go through these crossroads in our life right where we're okay, what are we going to do And there's a few things that I do to assess making a decision like that. Um, one question I'll ask myself is, so what option could I choose that would mean that I could do the greatest amount of good? Another thing that I've asked myself is why am I wanting to do this? Why do I want to be a plumber or why do I want to go to Bible college and do theology or why do I want to do this other thing? And if I search my heart, i might come up with different reasons like for example maybe i'm doing it because i just want to be somebody important and personally that was that was in my heart at at one point you know with a scholarship offer to go to a bible college into theology it might sound strange i don't know to any of our listeners but i personally felt like i want to go there because i want to be someone important and then i asked myself well is that a good reason should i be basing my decision off those kind of feelings those kind of emotions um so I went through like this thought process and ended up really choosing none of the options. I went, no, I don't really feel right about that. I'm just going to trust in God and taking opportunities to do good and following the passion of, of serving people. And so I volunteered in, in different ministries, f- several different ministries in the years following and ended up um, volunteering at Eastwood. And I praise God, like look back and see how God has led. And it's really firmly believed that if we, if we look at the opportunities that you have. So so for anyone listening to this, if God's given you some opportunities of doing something good, take those opportunities and, and make the most of them. And I really believe if we do that, God will, if we're faithful with the, the opportunities that God has given us now, he will give us more. Like tomorrow, he'll give us something new. And just be faithful with that and He will, he will grow you. God has a wonderful plan for your life and for my life, you know, he will grow us if we just be patient and be humble and um, listen to God's voice and just do the work that is closest to us at the time. And um, that's kind of what's led me most of the way here. And I'm sure I, I have made mistakes and let myself get in the way sometimes, but there's also been lots of times where I really praise God for his, how he has led and how because we've allowed him to lead is, um, is what we want.
0: Awful stuff that bit of advice, take what God has given you and make the most of that opportunity. That's a very potent point that you have just established right here. Another question that I did say I wanted to ask, how it is that this ministry has been funded? You did say it's a non-profit. So how is it funded? And while answering, you could also share You know, how could individuals listening, how could they actually contribute to this ministry?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're funded in different ways. Obviously, the generous donations of people that see the work that is being done and they want us to do more of it. You know, so much people see the awesome testimonies and and stories that come out of our literature work that, you know, they see the lives changed through the youth camp, like music camp. And they see that and they, they we want you to do more of this. We want this work to grow, and so then they donate, and we're really, really thankful for the generous donations that people have given. It, it super helps us to achieve our goals. That is one, you know, one way that the ministry is funded. The literature ministry work itself, it does earn income. It's not our main, you know, income generator, but it, you know it covers all of its expenses and it does earn some income. That's the nature of literature work because you do actually give out the books and you ask for a donation for the book. So it's kind of like. People pay for the book, but they give a donation of their choice. It covers the cost of the book and it covers your expenses and helps some to support the ministry. So Literature Evangelism is a little bit of an income. The other income we have is recently, um, about 12 to 18 months ago, we started up some businesses as part of the ministry to help fund the ministry. And so right now we have an arborist tree services business where we employ three or four um, young men full-time, and they're working full-time as arborists as a means of income. We pay them wages. Their profit for that business um, supports the ministry as well. We firmly believe if we studied examples of, of other Bible colleges, we can see very consistently a, a, a need for a business model. You can't really have a proper Bible training school, well-rounded Bible training school in any sense. I mean, you can, you can specialise, but if you want a broad um, training center for young people, you really need um, a business model. You need businesses that the young people can work into earn income as well as gain skills and also character building through working as well. So that's our income, our, our business, the our donations and our literature work.
0: I just want you to make that point once more, Emmanuel, because that is something in my own life I, I learned as I got older that understanding business and how it works and understanding the inflow and outflow of of money. Many young persons and many members of our church don't really understand that concept well enough. So could you just, I would say, repeat or just revisit the point you made in terms of having that business model so that young people can actually earn? Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. So you look at the Bible, look in the time of, of Israel when God set up that nation, right, God gave the, the rules and the, the guidelines to govern the nation of Israel, one of those was that every, every Jewish um, child needed to learn a trade. And the nature of the time back then, families were pretty much their own business, right? Each family was its own business. And so the, the child would grow up, they would learn the trade of their father usually, and they would eventually one day become their own family business. That child when they have their own family and that's sort of how how it worked and it was considered a crime um, for a child to grow up and not have learned to trade not have learned a business learned basically run their own business and that's just one reason there's as many different ways you can look at the importance of young people learning business Um, the way to financially support yourself is is really important but also the character lessons that you learn through like you said managing money the diligence the hard work the work ethic is, is super important Um, the ability to push through difficulties, the problem-solving creativity. There's like so much um, character work and what we call soft skills, um, you know, that goes into successfully operating and running a business. Praise God, our business is going really, really well. Um, I've got some really talented guys working in there. Business is an area that we want to grow and expand more because we see this as an essential component of running a training school for young people. We did explore um, about 12 to 18 months ago we have four or five different business models. We were doing home delivered meals. We had a you know, website where people could order uh, order meals and we did home delivered meals. That was going, that was successful. We, we had a premises for about 12 months where we could do that. Unfortunately, we don't have that premises anymore. So we have paused, to put that business on pause. But um, yeah, it's, it's a very important aspect. When we think of business, we think of something separate from religion, but actually, business and religion um, are really united. If we look at business in the true sense of the word, like you bring your your religion into your business, you become more honest, you become more truthful, you become more diligent, like so many things. And working in a business and, and being faithful to Christ in business will really help your Christian walk as well, as long as you don't become burnt out, of course.
0: <laughs> yes, and what you have what you have established is the intertwining of faith and and or business, and of course the focus is on. Self-sustaining ministry. So I just want the listeners to understand that we're not advocating focus primarily on the finances, but it's about development, empowerment, and absolutely sustaining ministry. Are you into sports, um, uh, Emmanuel? Maybe cricket, for example.
1: Well, cricket is a very popular sport here in Australia. No, personally, I'm not really into into sports. Growing up, because of the nature of where we lived, it really wasn't a big part of our
0: of our upbringing. I just ask because, you know, the cricketing term would be, you know, put on your your protective devices, your pad and everything to be ready because I'm about to bowl a few, you know, difficult deliveries, so to speak.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Go ahead. Give me a, a curveball.
0: Personal and difficult um, questions. Well, not difficult to answer, but in terms of sharing challenges. So... If it's not too personal, was there ever a moment along your spiritual journey that you believed you experienced, let's say, the greatest doubt in or maybe distance from God?
1: Look, I've never, ever doubted. Like, I've never, ever said there's been a time where I've, oh, I doubt whether this whole, you know, creator God, Christian thing is, is, is real. Um, I've certainly heard a lot of people that do doubt and talk to people that doubt all, heaps, like all the time um, when we're out doing mission work, you know, and, and also even some friends I've had. But I've never seen a reason to doubt, a real reason. Um, as far as being, being more distant from God, um, yeah, there have been times. There was definitely times when I was more distant from God. And there's been two things that, that caused that uh, for me anyway. One is being too busy. When you know responsibilities stack on top of each other, it becomes a, a time where you feel like you're like walking on a tightrope, right? Where there's so many demands, so many voices calling out for you, you know, so many pressures. and the tightrope is to stay connected to God, and what I find is if my communion with God is neglected or I neglect to, you know, walk with God, then you fall off that tightrope fairly quickly when you've got so many pressures on top of you, like you just, you get overwhelmed very quickly. Um, And I've experienced that um, a couple of times. And when you, when you fall off that tightrope, because of the the pressures and and demands upon you, you get into survival mode where you're just struggling to try and keep up with everything that needs to be done. Um, And when you're struggling to just keep up, it's a vicious cycle because you feel like you've got even less time to spend praying and, and reading the Bible and going in quiet moments with God. He's got so much to do, you know? So that's a real danger. That's, you know, been a real struggle for me. And, you know, God is good and just have to stop, pull out from what we're doing and
0: reconnect with God. Brilliant. And I love the way you put it to say everything seems to just be stacking up on you and that's when you feel the pressure. And, you know, as I listened to you speak, it reminded me of a phase in my university life where I would say days seemed to roll into each other because there was so much to do, but there was no time. And it was so intense. Though I enjoyed the process, it was like I didn't look forward to sleeping because sleeping was as if I was really wasting wasting time because of what I had to do. Yes. Yes. Getting back to you, of course, how do you actually pursue your own spiritual growth? Because just as you were outlining, sometimes you find yourself not spending enough time and that is what is the challenge especially for young people where the focus is on okay i need to get a career i need to start my family i need to explore the world but in mm. so many times the spiritual aspect of our lives becomes neglected yeah. how do you actively pursue your own spiritual growth
1: oh yeah look that is it's such an important question an important thing you said manon that Young people in that, especially in late teens, are really making those decisions. I've got to yeah, get a means of supporting myself, family, et cetera. But reality is, for many, many people, when you start on that journey, it doesn't get easier to connect with God. It only gets harder. When you go into these different stages of life, you get more responsibilities, you get more difficulties. It only gets harder. Um, so now, as young as you are, is the best time to, to maintain and establish that. Um, how is um, there's three simple principles, which um, the Bible outlines very beautifully. And this is something that I try and implement um, to to have a strong walk with God. Three simple things, prayer, Bible study, and sharing truth with people. Those three things each feed your spiritual life, like feed it so it becomes strong and it doesn't die and it keeps going. So spending time reading the Bible and, and thinking about it, it's like eating food. We, we, we put it in our mouth and we've got to chew it. We've got to break it down and into the small nutrients and it absorbs into our body. That's the food that we eat. Same with the Bible study. It's like take a verse and break it down to its simplest understanding and then let that go into your mind and think about it in time where there's nobody else around where you can talk with God in prayer and have those quiet moments of communion with God. And then sharing truth with people that you're excited about. So if you're really excited about something that God has shown you or you've learned from the Bible or just a thought about heaven or our loving Christ, share that with people. Share something with people that excites you about your faith. And as you share that, it goes back into your mind and strengthens your faith as well. And with those three simple principles, anyone can achieve and grow a, a strong walk with God.
0: Brilliant and very simple. for Spending time in the word shearing. And as I mentioned, the third point of shearing, in a conversation with someone who has never heard about God, what would you tell them about God from your own experience? So, in a simple sense, who is God for Emmanuel?
1: Well, there's lots of things I could say, man. God is my friend. You know, like I know God is real as much as I know like I'm talking to you. Like he's my friend and I know that because he has done things for me. He has communicated to me and I've communicated to him. And we have this this dialogue, this this relationship. Um, But when I'm talking to someone who really doesn't know about Christ, it's so important to understand where that where that person is coming from. So it really would vary greatly depending on who we're talking to, but definitely personal testimony and sharing how real God is to me, um, I think is, yeah, one of the most effective things to to share with people. Here's something that I say to people sometimes, Marlon, like no matter who we are, um, our background, whether Christian or atheist or or Buddhist or Muslim or Jewish or any other faith background or or atheist or agnostic, there's so many, uh, you know, different perspectives any one of us can wake up in the morning and go, ask us the question, why am I here? You know, and why does this universe exist? Why does anything exist? And no one, no one has an absolute answer for that. Us Christians don't have an absolute answer for why does the universe exist? Why does God exist? You know, why does anything exist? And no one is more intelligent than anyone on that question. Any of us can, can look around us and go, wow, why is this here, you know? And, and based on that question, which is I think we're all on the same level at, um, and then different people have their different explanations of, of, well, some of that question, like no one can, like even an evolutionist who believes in Big Bang, um, nothing exploded and became something. Like that's, that doesn't make sense, right? Where did that something come from? Well, no one has the answer to that. However, Christian faith gives us the answer of for this world, and you and me as humans, and it gives the most sensible, the most logical, the most scientifically provable um, answer to how we got here. It doesn't answer the question as to how God got here or the universe. Like that's just beyond us. That's, that's impossible for us to, to understand. And no matter what walk of life we come from, look, it, it's it's a blessing to have this kind of discussions with people, and it's really important to not be you know arrogant about our opinions but to really listen to people, but to share what's meaningful to us and what's, you know, what we have found to be truth. You know, this is what I've found to be truth. Yes, there's so much I don't understand, but I know this is truth, you know, and this is why I know it.
0: Very plain, very simple answer. This is the truth that I know, and this is the reason for my faith. We don't need any bigger answer than that, really. You know, for me, when I read the story of Joseph, there are some parts of that narrative that feels as though it was a biography of my own life. Is there a Bible story or a narrative that you feel mirrors your own life story?
1: Oh, that's an interesting question. You know, I don't know if I've given that a particular thought as in, like I relate to different Bible characters for different, different things. I always thought if I lived at the time of of King David, I would have joined his army and lived out in the caves. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I relate to different, yeah, different Bible characters. I love the Apostle Paul. It's also another Bible character that I relate to. God's given us all these stories, hasn't he? So we can learn something from them and relate to them in some way, relate to their mistakes as well as their, the, the way that God has led them. Yeah.
0: My next question is twofold. And when I say twofold, it relates to your own personal life. And it also relates to your role as, as president of Eastward missions, all right? This question has to do with you know, what is one thing that you feel God is inviting you to do right now? So if you could start any ministry or maybe expand on your ministry, what would it be? and also, who would it serve? Mm,
1: yeah. It's a ministry that answers this question: a place where young people could go out of high school. So they finish high school and they go to this, this place. Let's call it a college. Let's call it a, a training center. And this is a place where young people can spend maybe two, maybe three, maybe four years. And at the end of that time period, they can go through the rest of their life successful spiritually, successful socially, successful financially. That is really the ministry that, that we feel God has called us to. And that's the the heart of Eastwood and in a very simple way. Like that, obviously that's a very big idea. Um, it's not a new idea. There have been, and there still are places around the world that do this. What's unique about this is let's say university, for example, you can go to university and, and become an extended university and become very skilled in a specialized field. Medical field or, or different other fields, and and that's still you know a good thing and a necessary necessary thing, but university does not fit you for every um, to be successful in every area of life. For example, spiritually, university gives you a fairly specific um, focus of study. What we're talking about with a a different type of a education facility is that gives young people a broader a broader skill set and a broader character development, a place that like puts Christ and God at the center. And the first and most important thing is knowing God and connected to God and walking with God. And then all your other education is built around that, whether that's business skills, accounting skills, outreach and ministry. So this this, this will be a place that also trains young people how to share their faith and to be missionaries. And so they could leave this, this um, training center after two to four years to go out as a missionary, to go out as a business man or woman, and to go out as a successful provider for their home, God willing. So that's the goal of my life and of Eastward Missions. And one more note on that: in, in the in Psalms, you know, I love Psalms. Um, isn't it a beautiful, beautiful book of the Bible? When Psalms, David says, "Except the Lord build the house." They labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes in vain. What that means is it is pointless unless God is in it. See, I could go out, I could work, I could do very, very great things. And maybe you look at my life and you think, you might think I'm making a big difference. But if God isn't in what I'm doing, then I'm only making a difference for the few days that I'm doing it or just for a short time here on this earth, if I really want my life to count, and this is a question for any young person to ask in any stage that they are in, if God isn't in my life, then it's pointless. Except the Lord build and we labor in vain. So in educating young people, that is the the most important thing is is to number one, put God into our life. And then everything else will be added to that. There's more that, you know, we could talk about this and, and ponder it, but it is really a powerful thing. A knowledge of God is so valuable. If we, could just, if we could just see what knowing God could do to our life and transform it and change our decisions and change our directions and in such wonderful ways.
0: Yes, indeed, it's really powerful. And if we would just stop to think how, how valuable This knowledge of God is then, even some of us who are, I would say, skylarking, wasting time, we would just wake up out of our slumber, and just appreciate this beauty that we have. Just to recap what you have just said, in terms of something you'd want to do, is your center of influence as you focus on that business model, that youth training center. The importance, as you have just outlined, is the harmonious development of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual powers and you know interestingly here in japan uh, the adventist schools i don't know how many of them are here but the term they use in japan is Saniko, because san that's the japanese term for three so it's a three-dimensional um, element which i imagine would be hmm. scene that we just outlined so that is the focus of adventist education here in japan yeah,
1: absolutely absolutely
0: I just want to get back a little bit to, to Eastward Missions. Uh, we have been talking a, a little bit about you know the work that is done, but a person may want to find out, you know, how do I get in touch with this ministry? You know, is there a Facebook page? Is there a website? Is there a Twitter account? You know, how do we connect? And then later I would want to follow up, you know, what are some of the projects that are Next for 2021 and also 2022. So, you could just mm. help us first, you know, how do we get in touch or do we connect with Eastward Missions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, if you're on Facebook, definitely check out our Facebook page um, and we have a website as well. So, the Facebook page is on just facebook.com. You could do a search for Eastward Missions. Now, that is spelt E A S T W A R D. Eastward, the direction of the East. Where that name comes from, just as a bit of interest, in the book of Genesis, we read that God planted a garden eastward in Eden, right? So that's where our name eastward comes from. So if you can, you go to facebook.com forward slash emissions, or you go to our website, which is www.eastward.edu.au and that that will give you all the information about the primary activities that we're doing. And also you can contact us through there, either Facebook or the website. And through the website, you can also make a donation to support the ministry and support the work.
0: I'm just going to ask you just to repeat the web address just another time, but a little bit more slowly.
1: Absolutely. Web address is www.eastward.edu.au.
0: Okay, brilliant. And just to say to my listeners, if you go on the page, I know you will go sometime later on, and you click, let's say, about, you'll be able to see the team. And I must say that the team there are vibrant young people. So many times we say, what are the youth doing? Are they wasting time? Is there hope for the future? Well, the team at Eastward Missions, they are young people. So that is even more, I would say, fuel for the fire for you to go and lend support to the ministry so the next question would be now what are some of the upcoming events slash projects for eastward missions
1: yeah so covid has put a bit of a dampener as you'd understand on our events we were hoping to plan a music camp in january 2022 it's looking a bit doubtful now one of the biggest projects that we have going on we're printing 10,000 copies of a book called The Great Controversy and this is a book that we've helped to design ourselves and put the layout together and um, that's going to be our biggest print run of The Great Controversy. is a very high quality production. It's not a cheap book, it's a very high quality book and um, it's going to be costing us um, around 70,000 Australian dollars. Um, but you know God is good, and, and and we have the ability to to print those books. That's a big project that we've we've got going on. We'll, we'll be then sharing those books all around Australia through the literature ministry work that we're doing. Uh, one other project that a big, even bigger project that is high priority for us at the moment is property acquisition. So we we actually have a ministry had does have a property that we're in the process of selling, but we are looking to purchase a property that will be more suitable for the establishing of a training centre in a, like a college. So that's what we're working towards with our business to save towards what we would need to, to purchase that. Um, because that, that's really the what's going to help move the ministry forward more than anything at the moment from what we can see, is having that base. For the last few years, most of the work we've done has been um, itinerant, like we've travelled all around Australia during different events and, and canvassing and literature work and youth camps as well. So we really need to establish ourselves more with a base that's got more facilities. If we had something like that, we could just explode, you know, the potential of what we could do as a team, as a ministry. We're making the absolute most of what we have. And so media, books, uh, there's been some fantastic things that the team has done over the last few years and we'll continue to do until we do get a ministry base, God willing, soon.
0: <laughs> as the Bible sees delight yourselves in the Lord, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. So we trust and we pray he will indeed do that. And of course, it's about advancing the work of his kingdom. So he will do what he knows best to ensure that his work moves forward. My listeners, my guest today has been Emmanuel Higgins. He's a president of Eastward Missions. Now, Emmanuel, just before we go, as is customary, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners?
1: I would just say, you know, look at our life and look at the precious life God has given us. God has given you and me something very, very precious. And God loves us and he wants to see us, you know, live the best life that we can. And so that that excites me, you know. Let's be excited about that. Let's give our life to Him and give up our self, put our plans and our desires before God. Say, Lord, keep me humble, keep me on the path that you want me to walk, and let God lead your life. And, and it's just tremendous what God can do. He is the best. You know, God is the best person you would want to help you lead your life and to guide you. So let's be faithful. Let's not give up. Let's keep surrendering ourselves to him every day and see what's next as God leads us.
0: You've been in tune to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. You can subscribe to weekly episodes on Apple, Spotify, Listen Notes and Podcast Guru, or go to the App Store and download the AWR app. Until then, I am Marlon Walter saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to The Upward Way Podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.